less stress, more time, more money. Welcome to the Cash Flow Contractor interview. Well, welcome to the Cash Flow Contractor. Uh, Martin, it's good to be back to you, with you. You too, Cleo. Okay. Well, we've got a uh, special guest, Reed Schindler here. Reed, thanks for joining us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Uh, yeah. We, we are in a mutual group of COE, uh, Council of Entrepreneurs up in the city with Brian Clifton. Probably need to bring Brian on at some point. Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so that's how I got to meet Reed. You spoke last month um, just about your business and I said, man, we have to talk bring you on the podcast so i really appreciate you joining us yep no problem yeah so um let's get a little bit of your background so you're a pool builder here in oklahoma um but yeah tell us where you're from and uh how you got started absolutely so i was born in liberal kansas um family was in the kind of the oil industry so we moved to pampa texas grew up mostly there um and then on to the dallas fort worth area um, so when I moved into a new district there in high school, um, I needed another elective and they put me into kind of an architecture program. Oh yeah. So really it all started, um, there. So we, I got put in a drafting program and it just happened by chance, I guess, that this teacher who kind of taught drafting had averaged um two to four engineers and architects graduating college a year and he was there for 20 years wow so it was a program that it was the top ranked in the state so he was literally sending guys out of high school that were like way beyond their years in college out of drafting programs so that's awesome by the time i graduated high school i had already drawn full house plans um (laughs) electrical plans you know all sorts of things like that with AutoCAD, hand drawing, renderings, everything. So that's awesome. We always had a speaker come to see us once a month. And one month, uh, a landscape architect came, presented us, showed us all these cool swimming pools he had done with water <laughs> slides and, you know, double level pools. And being, you know, 16, we were all just kind of blown away by the people were spending you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars back then on their backyard. And at the end of it, he said, and by the way, I need an intern. Mm. And, you know, I think, I think around 20 people interviewed for the <laughs> single internship. And to his credit, he was forward thinking. He saw in the newspaper that our drafting program had won another state championship. Like, yes, they have state championships for drafting. <laughs> awesome. um, but it was a cool program, I promise. Like, yeah, all yeah. the athletes no, were in cool. it. So, yeah. um, anyways, he read in the newspaper, and he, at that time, the pool industry had just released some 3D software, and he didn't even know how to turn on a computer. Yeah. So his thought was, well, I can probably pay some high schooler that knows their way around computers and AutoCAD you know, six, seven bucks an hour and they can figure it out. And then I don't even have to worry about it. Right. So anyways, long story short, um, I ended up getting an internship under this landscape architect. So I've, that was my last job interview I've ever had, um, when I was 16. So through high school, I'd work two hours before school, I would go in and then I'd work two hours after school doing 3d rendering getting a high school i I coach high school soccer getting a high school kid to get up two hours before school is a really big deal (laughs) so you had to be pretty motivated it beat 
um, it honestly beat working four hours after school. Uh, so it was you didn't have any time after that. Correct. And the other thing, I was on a golf team, oh. so every every day we're playing golf, which I, you get out for you know the end of the day, mm-hmm. but still to play nine holes and stuff, I wasn't getting finished till five five thirty. So then by the time I put in two hours more at the office. Homework is out the window. Uh, yeah, I did. I don't care. I don't think I ever did homework in college. <laughs> so yeah. I was one of the guys that like it. Just it all came somewhat easy to me. So it right. was, you know, I would usually have it done before I left school that day. So, but anyway, so we, yeah, we. I, I kind of lucked into that um, position, um, doing pools, and it's just a real niche industry. So. I'm, you know, 33 years old now, but I've been in the industry for 17 years. So more, I've been in the industry longer than I haven't, like I've been, haven't been in the industry. That's so wild. Yeah. So then, um, after doing that for two years, I knew that I either wanted to be in architecture, engineering, or something in the design field. Sure. So when I kind of looked at colleges, I, I looked at ones that were all strong in those fields and it just so happened that Oklahoma State had just a really good engineering program, really good architecture program, really good landscape architecture program. Yeah. So that how, was... How can we get OSU's sports to live up to the architecture and engineering okay. programs? Uh, Improve the field. <laughs> they, they have AstroTurf up there, don't they? Yeah, I don't know. Um, well, are we going to talk as a whole athletic program or are we talking about one specific sport? I mean, we'll give you wrestling every once in a while. Okay. And, I'm, fairly, uh, <laughs> I'm fairly certain the OU basketball team is 0 for 2 in the last two weeks against we us. Are. But we are. There we go. It's true. Um, <laughs> all joking aside. But, yeah, so I ended up at Oklahoma State. I really hadn't visited a lot, um, but I just fell in love with the area. It was a small town. Um, again, just awesome with design fields. And I actually started out with mechanical engineering oh, okay. and I lasted probably two months before not, and most people like quit the major because they're not cut out for it. And I quit it cause I was like, I'm not an engineer. Like that's not the way my mind thinks. Cause right. in my opinion, they're always trying to like tell you how things should work. And I'm trying to tell you how I should like come up with something that might not work, but let's try to figure it out. Yeah. Left, right, it's outside left, of the box, right, inside. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, outside the box, inside of the box kind of deal. Gotcha. So um, switched over to landscape architecture um, and stayed there, you know, for the five-year program. That's what I have my degree in. But during that time, um, that uh, internship I had gotten, the landscape architect from uh, Denton, he moved to another company um, in South Lake, Texas, um, called Claffy Pools, and he told their owner, he's like, hey, I've got this college kid that, you know, he already knows everything. He's got this skill set. Would you guys be interested in hiring him for the summers? And so basically, again, <laughs> I didn't interview Did anything. Interview. They offered me a job, an internship, so I worked every summer. Um, they'd give me some work during the school year, but doing CAD plans. But what was interesting about that is... They were pretty intent, I think, at the very start of like making it more than just an internship. And I think mm-hmm. that's where some people can kind of mess up with it is they see internship as labor versus like, hey, we're going to probably we may hire this guy. So yeah. we need to like treat it as such. Like it's a long, yeah. long term interview. Yeah. Long term investment. Too. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Like so. you, you put a lot of training into interns and it sometimes it can be draining 
to, you know, you feel like, man, I, I can be doing X, Y, Z instead of doing this, but it can turn out really good. I mean, Ethan's sitting over here. He interned for us. Now it's full time. Hey, so. We used to call him the intern. What are yeah. you calling me now? Uh, I guess Ethan. Yeah, Ethan the employee. Yeah, I, don't know. <laughs> I mean, the way I see it with pay structure, you're better off having four interns fail out and one out of every four or five work out exactly. versus hiring a full-time person. They work for you for six months before firing them. Exactly. So um, anyways, test driving cars kind of things. We can go on a whole right. a whole podcast just on interns, yeah, you know, and we can get into it further. But um, so I went to work for Claffy Pools, um, you know, so... I just honestly where is luck into again? South Lake, Texas. South Lake, Texas. Okay. Yeah, so it's near the DFW airport. Okay. Really, really great area. Um, they're actually they've been a top five, top ten pool builder in the whole United States for you know thirty years. Wow! And okay. this year, I think they were number two or three. Gotcha. In uh, number of pools, per No, in like quality. their quality, Design. total, total dollars yeah. done. Like there's Somebody a whole formula. Yeah. yeah, there's a formula. Exactly. Pool well, and spa news releases there's a, it. Yeah. And we'll get into this a little bit more later on, but give us kind of an idea of like where they kind of, there's different types of pool builders, right? Because you can get the above ground pool guy <laughs> and you can get like the, you know, they're doing stadium or big Olympic centers and stuff like that. So yeah. where is the inflatable? Pool guys. I didn't talk about the inflatable pool guys. That's me. That's <laughs> yeah. my kind of pool I can build, right? Yes. Well, that's about the only one you can you can uh, get done quickly. So, <laughs> um, yes. Yeah, so there's there's really kind of three different types of pools that you see recognized in the industry, which is a concrete pool, um, a fiberglass pool, and then a vinyl liner pool. Okay. For the most part, they're all going to kind of fall into those categories, and some of those are above ground, some are you know underground. Sure. But the ones that I have always been a part of have been concrete pools. Concrete, yeah. and that's what uh, the company that you worked for in Southlake also did. Correct. Yeah. So okay. and and again, I mean, so Golki Pools was the pool company I worked for in high school, mm-hmm. and again, they're a top you know twenty five company too. So again, I just I somewhat lucked out that I just had these really good jobs and really good owners and just these established companies that Texas is a good place to grow up for that kind of stuff. Oh right? yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It, it was. Um, for pools and stuff, it's just a booming time. You know, yeah. we we had a, we saw a little downturn, but yeah, um, yeah for, for basically the whole time I've been around, it's been a pretty pretty positive, awesome, you know, slide. So. Yeah. So so you were working for them in call uh, in college and then after college too. Yeah. So I worked for them in college basically uh, every summer. Knew that's what I was going to do. My professors kind of weird about it because they're you know academic we, more so yeah and like they're hey, talking about it you're actually doing it yeah and they're bragging you know not bragging they're they're really excited about our classmates that are getting jobs in florida and california and they're going to these large firms mm-hmm. and i'm sitting here like yeah but my offer letter is way higher than all of theirs like what are we uh, yeah you know, i'm not gonna here? yeah exactly so I, the pool industry is kind of like the black sheep of like the design world i think but it's ironic because anytime we get landscape architects plans for pools, they're usually very basic. Mm. So it's almost like you need both a pool builder, designer, and a landscape architect involved. Gotcha. So kind of staying in, staying in your own lane. But it, they're get. I'll say this: landscape architects are getting better about designing water features, pools, and things, and pool builders are getting better about landscape, landscape, and gotcha. and and. Yeah, I mean, more like overall site design and stuff like that. So yeah. it's, you know, I think they're all, they're acknowledging each other, which is a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> so. 
Yeah, so, so you're you're working there after college, you get the offer, and you decide to move down to Southlake? Yes, yeah, so we moved down there um, right after college, go to work full-time, and that's where um, I went straight into sales. So okay. for basically eight years, nine years, I guess it was, um, I was in sales and design. Okay, so you would actually go and... You were a very well-educated salesperson. Yes, <laughs> very well experienced. So after my first summer of doing drawings, again, I think I think that was the cool thing is the company really saw like, okay, like this isn't his, he's not going to be a draftsman. Right. Like he's going to be like you know a salesperson. He's going to be a, a represent our company. Right. And so they started putting me the next summer. I worked there four summers, and every summer was completely different. Cool. So it was you know one time. I, for the whole summer, I'm shadowing one of the owners, and I'm just basically her personal assistant. Another time, I'm shadowing one of the landscape architects there. Sometimes I'm doing drawings, uh, you know. So they they put me in a lot of different roles, and it was great because by the time I went full time, like there was zero training necessary. I had seen the good and the bad, yeah. and I kind of already had my own like plan. Yeah. So which was good because in pool in in pool sales at least. Um, I don't know if every company is the same way, but it's commission only. So it's there's no paycheck going guaranteed. There's nothing. You are a flat out commission salesperson. And Wake up every morning without a job. Yeah, and that's what kill something. you know. Which is funny now that I own my own business. A lot of people are like, man, aren't you know? This, are you worried about money and stuff? I'm like, I don't know. I've been any doing different. this forever. <laughs> yeah, you know, I basically own yeah. my own company because yeah, if you're yeah. commission only, that's you know, that's and you know, a- anyways, there's some funny stuff I had to take. I think our my wife's access to our bank account lasted three weeks into our marriage. She, <laughs> man, you talk about someone that can't understand the concept of one month having money and no, the next month having no, no money. money. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of people it, don't. Yeah, it's a tough. It is a tough life, but it really does prepare you for owning a business, honestly, because mm-hmm. you know how you know how to budget. You know what your projected incomes are. You know what not yeah. to spend, even if you have. And yeah. so it's not a bad strategy to, to get into that, which is funny because now that I own my own business, the first time I've ever had a salary. Yeah. So first time I've ever had a, <laughs> a paycheck that I know what it is. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah, I think it's also a good thing. You know, you get to learn all the budgeting and things like that, but you also have the skill to go and get some jobs because that's one of the biggest things to start in the business. You have to have the work. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that was the, the good thing. Um, could I have done pools, uh, not having a college degree? Absolutely. But when I went to college, I got very involved in a fraternity. Um, I got very involved, you know, in our major, we're presenting to panels of professionals all the time. So every other week we're having, we have to present project, present work. And what it really did was like, give me the confidence of like jumping up in front of someone and not being scared to propose stuff that may you know, others might be worried a, about. What a lot of design schools did they intentionally tear down your first effort and criticize it and throw it on the floor and it wasn't and spit on the ground and say, "Do it again." It wasn't ever bad, honestly. But but I could tell, and to their credit, they the people that they knew couldn't take it. They were very they would work around it. But the people they knew, like this person, could go some places. Then yeah, they would get really tough Beach with them. Yeah, but yeah, they would, it, you know, it was constructive. But they would. But by the end of it, by our fifth year, Makes all of us, better. we could. I could jump up with a project I never even designed, and I could tell you about an hour of it. Like I could present a project I've never even seen 
for an hour and give you all the reasons why and they you know just bs your way through because you know so much yeah or just just because you have the confidence of sure you know and how many people could say hey you don't know the topic go give an hour speech and then they give it to you but that's the truth by the time you once you get that confidence of speaking in front of panels and stuff you know you it's better, obviously, if you're educated and you know all the yeah. stuff. But it's I think there's a there's just a line there. You either have it or you don't, and that's part of what they were doing and you know in doing that, which is yeah. it was great. And it really from a sales perspective, um, you know, there's some of the best designers in the world that you never have heard of just because they don't have the confidence, so true, or the um, ability to get up and even show off their stuff. Now, social media, I think, has almost helped that because you can sit in a closet and design post something, killer stuff, post it, and that's your voice. Exactly. Um, but as far as selling, that's tough, you know. And that that's the way you make money, in my opinion, as a designer. Very few people, if you don't have that sales instinct, it doesn't yeah. matter how good you are, your designs just kind of sit. Yeah, so, so true. But yeah, so you so you worked for this company. Remind me the name again. Sorry, Claffy Pools. Claffy Pools. Yes. So you worked there for eight I think years. Eight years. Yeah, eight years. Is what nice. It was. And so, what was the progression like? Did you just stay as salesperson? Did you become a sales manager? What is that? What was that like? Yeah. So, the progression. I started out on basic stuff uh, yeah. for the most part, and I started off <laughs> on um, just basically taking leads that the company had. And then I would say after about three years, I started getting twenty five percent referrals. Which mm. I think referrals are just—that's the key to, you know, so making much. money. Yeah. Because I was—I was making—I was making good money out of college, but until I started having, you know, I would—I got to the point where five years, I knew five pools a year was going to come in and be a referral, and there were hundred percent no brainers. I wasn't even going against anybody. And then the next year, it was ten pools were going to come in like that, and then it was twenty pools, and then by the time we're you know, my eight years are up, 75% of my jobs are direct referrals. I'm not even competing against anybody. Yeah. You know, whether it be the home builders or the homeowners giving my names out, you know, they're like, hey, you have to use this person. And and luckily, I had companies standing behind what I was selling yeah. and building it how we were, you know, we should have. So it was like referrals. We were, at Claffy, we were doing 35 to $40 million in business and had zero advertising budget. None, because yeah. we just didn't need it. You had, right. you know, we would build down one street, and then we'd do the next door neighbor, and then we'd do the next one, and we would just. Keep you on said going. Uh, that uh, referrals are the key to making money. What, what, in your opinion, is the key to getting referrals? <laughs> You've kind of touched on it. But. Yeah, um, I think setting expectations is huge. Um, timeline and budget. So change orders. I think a lot of people depend on them way too much versus initially bidding it correctly. So why do they do that? I have ideas on it. Why do you think they do that? Rely on the change orders? Well, I think there's two reasons. One, they try to go too fast on the planning or bidding process. And two, they do it just to save themselves because they, they messed it up or they're not educated on what they were doing. They got outside their lane. Yeah. I, I've seen it also, I, both of those things, but people want to bid cheap. Yes. So oh, they yeah. bid cheap and then, uh, oh, well, that wasn't in there. And after you're started on the project. Man, you have no idea how many phone calls I got from clients. Six months after I lost the bid, didn't get the job. Oh, and they I said, wish. you know what? We should have gone with you because we actually ended up over what you bid us. Yep. After all the change orders, after we sign everything, this wasn't included. We looked back at your contract, it was. So I'm very, you know, at Claffy with their pricing structure, they were 
they had it down to a science. The owner, man, the amount of time he had spent on this on his pricing and bid structure, I can I it's thousands of hours at minimum. We could bid a quarter million dollar project literally in twenty minutes. Just wow. clicking, pointing systems and process. Yes. And it would be on the back end, they could print out everything. Here's where the money goes. This is where this goes. Here's all your, you know, uh, you know, your your commissions, and and here's what's going to the project manager. Here's what, and it, so it, it was unbelievable the systems they had in place. But when you're doing 400 projects a year, you have to have systems have to have like that. that. Yeah. But the cool thing is, the whole time I was working there, we again we do 250, 500, 750 thousand dollar jobs with zero change orders. That's what key to making money is getting referrals. Key to getting referrals, I kind of heard you say, is managing expectations. Yes, which both is, budget and time. Yeah, which is just huge. What does managing customer expectations entail? In other words, we can talk about all on this list, but how do you do that with a customer? I think this is critical for every contractor listening. Yeah, so I, I have been doing this long enough and been in the sales world and now I only, you know, I only do 10 to 12 projects, 15 projects a year, but by doing 40 to 50 to 60, which is what I was doing in Texas, I got to see everything. Yeah, I got to see a lifetime in basically <laughs> five years, you right. know? So I got to see a lot of what not to do and what to do. And I've gotten to the point where I'm so brutally honest with people, it probably loses jobs for me. It's a key takeaway point here. Brutally honest, brutally implied. You can be polite about it, but you tell them this is how the cow eat the cabbage. Absolutely. That's in, that's not in. Yeah. Clear expectations. Yeah, yeah and, I love that. And But I'm, I'm very, I've gotten to the point too where I'm very picky too. Like when someone calls me and I ask them, how did you find me? And they say, Google. I automatically say, okay, our first meeting's at my office because 75% of them will not meet with me because I know they called six other people and the other six people didn't ask them to meet at the office. Mm. But I also know my closing rates from Google are next to nothing. Right. So the ones that do meet me in my office and they take time out of their day to come play on my field, I close almost every single one of them. Right. So there's some it's method for qualifying. Correct. Yeah, I qualify like crazy. So, but I've also, you know, we've met with people before and and both both sides of it all give my honest opinion and I'll say, you know, we're probably not the right person for this job. And they've also, you know, this fit isn't probably the best. And cuz for any contractor, I think you have to look at it. You're married to the person for the timeline and yep. then after. Yeah, there's just huge maturity in that. We have I don't know if we have a podcast on it yet, but Grow With No. Yep. I know we've got articles on it, but there's a point where you realize, hey, I don't need this money. Yeah. I, you know, this is going to kill me. I'm going to feel good for 15 minutes when they sign it, give me a deposit check. Yep. And I'm going to be miserable for the next 10 years. Yeah. And I have a client who bids projects, told me yesterday, he's got a really nice little project going, but that the lady called up and had searched on the internet all the components that went into the project and priced them on the internet, not knowing that a Z40X can, comes in 50. Con- uh-huh. And I said, forget it. Well, man, it's $65,000. I said, forget it. Forget <laughs> it. Tell him, thank you very much. Yeah, not enough money. And he hasn't, right. he hasn't <laughs> said no yet, but I'm, I'm really pressing him. I said, just walk away. Yeah. Walk away. Cause you've, how, how blessed you are to have that kind of sign up front before the, before the pain starts. Yeah. Because now you're going to do all the work and not get paid for it. Yeah. And so. I, 
I think that only comes with experience. I don't I don't know how else you do it no. other than running That's into it. That's what I'm it. saying. It's a lot of sophistication for a 33-year-old guy. Yeah. Sitting there it, already knowing that. But we I just remember one client specifically, man, in Texas and we um he said, "Man, the last four I built four pools and all four pool builders we've sent to the Better Business Bureau. So I'm calling you. I don't care what the cost is. I'm calling you guys because I know you're the best company." And I, I didn't tell anybody that. I was like, okay, perfect. Yeah, we'll do you a great job. We got turned into the Better Business Bureau. <laughs> so we learned a big lesson right, that day, right. which was it doesn't matter even what you do sometimes. You have to read the red flags when they're there. And you're not, you know, at some point, sometimes it is the client, not, you know, you. And the, what we got turned into, which is funny because our, our CEO was sitting on the board of the Better Business Bureau. <laughs> and what we got turned in on was not even anything we had done, nothing. It was a drainage issue that we didn't even create. Yeah, but you own it because you'd been in we the backyard. We owned it. We fixed it. It wasn't even a problem. Like, nothing ever happened from it. But it was just ironic that I was, I was very young at that point. And it, instead of it triggering, yeah, I've turned in and that's why I'm calling you, I just heard the it doesn't matter what it costs, like, cause we're gonna do the right thing. Where mm. now if I owned a business and he's like, oh yeah, we did all this, I'd be like, hey man, I appreciate it, but yeah. you know, probably not the right fit. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't know what you do. I mean, this point, is a but. major takeaway from today oh, yeah, for everybody listening, because that's so hard, especially when you're new or relatively new, you want those sales. Yeah. One of our main principles on here is that the purpose of business is to turn cash into more cash. It's yep. not to make sales. It's not even to make profit. Yep. It's to make sales and profit and get paid. <laughs> and if you don't go all the way through that, you haven't you haven't yeah. done anything. Yeah. Well, the other thing I think is important too is to to try to read the market because I had friends that are in the industry. I have a, a huge networking, you know, in all of them that we could all kind of see this boom coming from COVID, and they're selling all these projects in fall and winter. And loading up like some of them they're already booked through next year and they're like you know are you going crazy right now and I'm like no I'm not I'm not selling I said because in the spring in the early like our late winter and early spring nobody's gonna have anywhere to go and I get to name my price at that point right. so I'm sitting here reading the market as of I'm not doing small jobs I'm not cutting margins I'm not doing anything I'm turning people away so that in January February March basically not saying like we're you know, taking advantage of people, we're taking advantage of the market, which is if there's high-end clients and they have money to spend, we're going to be the only person they can go to at that point. Right. Man, that's really smart. So uh, let's go back to Dallas. Yes. What, what point, um, you know, whenever you did end up leaving, what was, were you sales manager at any point or just doing the same thing? You had your book of clients and getting your own referrals. Yeah. So we got, I got to the point where I was doing a bunch of referrals. So probably three years before I left full-time so five years of doing it um, I, I again stole this from my my mentor which was the landscape architect that moved over there um, he got an awesome idea which was basically create a social media um, presence for his design work and like be a referral point which basically yes we were employees of Claffy pools but he wanted people that called in for him specifically. To, specifically to have a point to see his work specifically. Cause we had, you know, eight or nine salespeople and it would happen all the time that they would call in wanting him or whatever, but they wouldn't get him. Or it was just another way to push another name out there. Cause we, I mean, right. both of us are the same way. When you're closing rates two to three times higher for referrals, 
at the end of the day, that was what it became, is who can get the most referrals. Right. Um, so anyways, that's what I did. Uh, about five years into it, I created my own brand, which was called Schindler Design Co. And I truly had no like bad intentions. Um, my company didn't like it. Gotcha. Uh, they still don't like it. They still don't like that my mentor had Farley Designs, and he's been working for them for you know twelve twelve years. Yeah. Um, but was he on commission? Yes. You know, you're saying that uh, car dealers. You'll occasionally see a car dealer, a salesman with his own bill or her own billboard. I mean, yeah. You're on commission. Pay me two hundred thousand a month, and I'll take that sign down. Yeah. <laughs> and so there's this real gray area, and you know, my big thing was. Um, and again, for all their amazing traits that that company had, they didn't, I don't want to say that they didn't like education, but they didn't, they didn't see, I don't think a value in going to like trade shows and going to like higher education events for our position. I think their thought on it was more we're in charge, let us do those things, and you guys just stay in your role. Stay in your lane. Yeah, stay in, yes, exactly. So my big thing, and, and part of why, again, it was a gray area, is I'm sitting here you know, dropping $5,000 to go to Vegas for a week and take a $3,000 course to further myself, right. and I wasn't getting reimbursed for it. So yeah. I'm like, well, if you're not going to promote me, if you're not going to do this, then I'm going to do it myself, mm-hmm. even though I'm still under your umbrella. So... I don't know the right answer to it. I don't know what I would do if I was, it was my employee, but I don't know that they had a choice because we're bringing, we're at the point where we're bringing so many people into our own, yeah. you know, and they're getting the construction of it. Yeah. So it's, I, again, it's I, a weird. I, I feel like companies have to invest in professional development and they should yeah. jump at opportunities when your employee says, hey, I really want to buy this book or take this course or go to this conference. Be like, yeah, what do I, what can I pay for? What can I do to help? Yeah. Because there, and even side gigs, hey, I want to do this on the side, whatever, man, that you're going to learn from that experience and you're going to improve our company. Yep. And then you're going to feel like I care about you as well because I actually am investing in your development. And then that may retain you longer and help the company grow. I mean, there's just so many benefits to it. Well, my short sighted to think it's not. I almost thought of, and I, I, I'd mentioned it. I'm like, look, Make me sign a non-compete or something or a contract that says you're going to pay for this much education, but I'm on retainer for this long or I pay you back. Right. You know, there's, uh, you know, for every $5,000 in education I get, I'm, you know, two years in the hole for, you know, it it recycles or something. I mean, there's got to be something. So basically I got to the point where I was kind of normal basic sales. um, Then I got into high end and then I got into what we were calling our elite division. Um, which was, you know, two or three of us out of the nine that were, when a call came in and they said they had a $150,000, budget plus, we got assigned to it. Gotcha. So usually that entailed a lot of slope, a lot of, you know, different materials. Swim just, up bars, big diving exactly. cliff. Yeah. So that's, that's where I kind of peaked there and I worked there for the last three years, kind of when I started my own side deal, that's where I got to, um, that was kind of the peak, but that's when kind of I started evaluating things too because Mike, again, you know, he's however many years old, he's been in the industry for 40 years, 30 years, and he's technically in the same position I am and always has been. Yep. So I'm sitting here looking at my future and there's three owners of Claffy. 
I'm never breaking into ownership. Mm-hmm. They're not family. Are they three family members? Yes, oh, brother and yeah. two sisters. Yeah. Sorry, two brothers and a sister that bought it from their parents. Um, which uh, they're again, they're, they're awesome. Yeah, but there's a brick wall, you know, <laughs> and there's several Claffies that work there. They have kids, stuff like that. So eventually, they'll probably be the ones that take it over. And then I'm also looking at like I'm already making more money than my sales manager. So that's not really like, I don't know that I want that stress, nor do I want to take a pay cut. Sure. You know, he's a salaried, mine's commission, but I don't want to take a pay cut. And then one day, um, you know, when you have 20 to 30 active jobs, even though I wasn't running the jobs, I'm getting phone calls. And usually by the time things progress past the project manager and back to the salesperson, it was not good phone calls. But there was one morning specifically, and it was 7 o'clock. And by 7 o'clock, I had 12 calls from clients. And my wife, and I hadn't slept much the night before. I've been staying up, you know, drawing all night, getting stuff ready. And my wife looked at me, and she said, if you're going to kill yourself, you should do it for yourself and not for someone Ooh. else. Yeah. And I, like. Good wife. Yeah. And I don't know. A lot of times it's the other way. Yeah. And I, I don't, like, spouse. it all, like, dropped out on that day. And I was just like, man, like. You're absolutely right. Like if I'm sitting here and I'm working 60 hour weeks, if I'm making commission, if I'm doing all this stuff, like, and I don't see a point of it, you know, doing it for someone else when I can kind of make the rules and doing it on my own. Yeah. Because the biggest thing was working for a company that large out of those, you know, 10, 12 calls, 15 calls I'm getting, I'm not in control of any of it (laughs) because it's already been passed on to a project manager. So halftime, I didn't even know what was going on on them because that wasn't my role at that point. So it started looking brighter and brighter. I started crunching numbers of, okay, I need this, do this to make my living that I want to make, you know, take care of my family. And I'm like, man, you know, the 40 or 50 projects, 30 to 50 projects I need to do a year, like I only need to do like eight, 10 if I own my own company. Like, yes, there's headaches. Yes, there's overhead. There's all this. But when you're making the whole pie instead of the little piece of the pie, you know, you, and then I also am sitting there thinking, you know, those 12 phone calls I was getting, that's like divides that to three phone calls. (laughs) I can probably deal with three phone calls. Right. So we're seeing the the big plus, which congratulations on that. What was the big minus to going out on your own? What, uh, if there were any? And, but I'm sure there were because it's a scary yeah. deal. You know, usually, it was tough to leave that company. Um, anytime you're in a kind of a comfortable situation, it, uh-huh. um, that was a minus. Just again, there were stresses involved, but also knowing you had that support system there was mm-hmm. was tough. Um, money obviously is a big thing. Yeah. You know, just being scared of the unknown, but uh, I don't know. I wasn't afraid to fall, like fail. Yeah. My my dad, um, my dad started a mechanic shop when he was you know sixteen seventeen years old, and by the time he was eighteen, he owned it, and he was a mechanic for ten plus years, and he opened a car dealership, and you know owned that. So I saw so that. So you have an entrepreneurial influence yeah. in your background, correct? Yeah. And you know he he did that in a small town and did great. And then my father in law, you know, he started. Or he didn't start his family farm, but he grew it from one farm to 12 farms. And wow. then my stepdad, you know, he's in, he was in oil business, but he was always in, you know, sales and stuff. So he's kind of on an island too. 
Sure. And so basically every man that's been in my life has had some sort of like sales and entrepreneurial like um, entrepreneurial like uh, spirit. spirit. Yeah, I, I guess. Yeah. So there's all I've always seen that. So it wasn't like I think people are concerned about the failure portion of it, but I wasn't, you know, I know that I don't want to let my kids down. I don't want to let my wife down, but I know that, you know, at the end of the day, we could figure that out. Yeah. So, and I also told my, my owner, I said, man, there's a chance that in a year or two years, I'm sitting here on the doorstep begging for my job back. Yeah. Um, Were they hostile that? to your leaving at all? Or did they um, congratulate you? A lot of times it was weird. Say, see you later. No, you really know? weird. I did it with, because they're a top company, because they had treated me so well, you know, paid me fair, I did it the best way I knew how, which is I told them when I went in and told them I was leaving, I said, I'm going to close out every single job that I am touching right now. Um, I'm going to leave, I think I told, I think 90 days, because that's what kind of looked at the timeline. I said, I will get past every client, every lead that you've given me through all the clients. I'll get them to the point where they need to be. Um, we won't tell anybody that I'm even leaving for the first like two two months, so that you can start on replacing me if you need to. You can start on whatever you need to do, but I want to do this the way that like we're all good when I leave. And I think they definitely respected that. Um, so is that what happened? Yeah. Because you know what happens sometimes when people do that. Yeah. Uh, no, you're leaving today. Yeah. See I, you later. I don't know that they were in a position to do that because we yeah. were all kind of like. Yeah, barely hanging on still on a lot of I mean just you know the nature of a busy construction field right so I knew that that was the way I was going to do it um but it also gave me time to plan my business but I mean it was in it was in works a year before I left mm -hmm. so I knew I knew the kind of time what about uh, capital to start your business you'd done your spreadsheets or math or however you want to do it and seeing yeah. what potential profits out there a lot yes. of people overlook the, ooh, I got to come up with a half million dollars before I can make a million dollars. Yeah, the capital, um, I was, I, actually, I mean, I'm very blessed that I had um, a family member that kind of had seen, you know, what we had done and offered to give us a loan at a certain percentage that yeah. was lower than what I could get at the bank. Yeah. Um, we had saved up and done, you know, some things on our end too, knowing sure. that we were going to start it. But you're right. The working capital has been the biggest hurdle because yeah. at any given time I can be on the hook for, you know, even with one project, I can be out 50 to $60,000 yeah. of my own cash and front loading that, you know, until I'm getting paid in two mm -hmm. weeks or something like that. So I did a couple things to combat that is 75% of my job the price of my job is paid in the first three draws. I have six total draws. Um, a, I think it's fair because the brunt of my work is done up front too, like the concrete, the excavation, all the big ticket items. So I tell all my clients, again, going back to brutally honest, they're like, man, your contract's very front end loaded. I said, well, your project's very front end loaded. Right. So I wanna pay with your project with your money. Yeah. That's what I wanna do. I'll make my profits at the end, but your project's gonna get paid for with your money. Yeah. Um, and so, you have the courage to tell them that too. Yeah. Again, you're married to them. If you can't I, I talk about money, <laughs> yeah, you're not gonna have a good marriage. Example in my book. Plug. Plug. Um, <laughs> yeah, the show notes. But I have a guy who did that. He was scared to ask for it um, because he was so worried about money. He thought everybody else was worried about money, and finally he just had it. He said, "I'm done with this." 
Start asking for deposits, no problem. Yeah, no problem. You know what I'm worried about, Martin? What? I'm worried about your mic. I'm worried that you're so far from your mic, we're going to have some quality issues. Well, quality issues? With, with me? Yeah. Well, that's how they know it's me. I'm the one that fades it. <laughs> and sounds old and set, uses arcane words. Yeah. Ethan, that's up to you to tell me to. No, I can. It's a good. It's okay. a segment now. We're going to have it every yeah, episode. Yeah, we have to have the bad. Have to have the Martin, Martin time to check, check your mic yeah. now. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, we, yeah, we had a, we had a family member. Um, that offered to to loan us some working capital good which is awesome and then they were able to we were able to work out a, like a really solid timeline for payback and stuff like that good. so basically for the first two years of business i would knew i wouldn't need to be paying anything back so i had time to invest and um and they were fine with it too you know on good. taking that risk any and, ownership or they just it was a loan they were giving ownership yes um and then it flip-flopped it's flip-flopping this year after that two years. So flip-flopping meaning they were you get they were majority back? owner oh, okay. for our uh, loss years. Oh, okay. And now we're majority for the profit years. <laughs> well, that's very kind of them. Yeah. Well yeah. if they wanted some control and things like that, if they say doing something stupid, they Yeah. I mean, yeah, it was it was all worked out and um, you know, we paid a legal team to do it the right oh, way. Another know. key point. You paid an attorney? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Lessons. Seriously. However many lessons we have, guys, that uh, get an attorney to do attorney's work. Yeah, this stuff matters. It matters. If you don't have, you know, $10,000 to drop on the paperwork and all the front end of the, just getting it established, like, that's probably the first you're key. Re- you're not ready to do it. Yeah, I mean, that's the that's the truth, so. Yeah. Just getting all the paperwork in place and, that's and really good. all those things. But I did the, you know, I came to, I put a business um, plan together business plan together excel spreadsheets and i keep those updated and Good. you know all those things but but anyways yeah we were i'm i know i know not everybody's is is lucky to have that but we right. were we everybody's were lucky, lucky in some yes i mean everybody's <laughs> lucky at something so just because you, that's not a reason to not do it because you don't have a brother-in-law yeah. father-in-law sister-in-law cousin uncle whatever paying it you've got something yes yeah so but, go find out what it is. I will also say when, when you can show that you have eight years in a row of doing what you do and doing it at a high level, it's probably easier yeah, right. for the bank or for anybody to look at it and say, okay, this is probably going to be a pretty solid bet. Yeah, you know, for sure. So you've been in business for about 18 months. Is that right? Uh, yes. Yeah. And so your first job, when did it come? How did you get it? You know, you, you started, what month did you start? So it was August. August. But yeah, kind of. I say 18 months because that's when we were been in Oklahoma. So Yeah, what, tell me about the decision to move to Oklahoma. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> we got to go back a few steps. Okay. Uh, one of the things that I did not want is um, to compete okay. in the same market yeah. um, as my old company. Gotcha. Because I, I, again, it goes back you to... You wanted to be on a good terms with that. It, yes, it's part of it. I wanted to leave on good terms um, as much as I could. And I didn't think being a direct competitor and taking all the subcontractors and the network and the builders and just... Yeah. I didn't see that as the way to go about it. Right. So I knew being in college here, having friends that were in the Oklahoma City, Tulsa area, that there's a big lack in Oklahoma of professionals, like high-end professionals. Right. There's, they're just very limited on options. And I remember we would go tour some estates and tour some high-end homes, 
and you have a four or five million dollar home and the pool in the backyard's like a hundred thousand dollars, which is fine. That's super nice. Sure. But on a five million dollar house, like a lot of times you'll see like, I don't know, half million dollar backyard or something. And again, there were some companies that are doing it, but I saw uh, if there's any market that needs another 10 to 12, 15 projects at the high end, like Oklahoma City is it. Gotcha. Um, just because I knew I was very confident in my design skills and my presentations in my construction knowledge that I could come in and jump straight in without advertising, without doing anything. And I could just right. break into the market. I didn't, I knew it. I knew when I first came here, like the whole day of like taking only high end jobs in Texas and working the luxury market, like that was gone. Right. When I came here, it was going back to the basics. Like you got a sixty thousand dollar budget for a pool, like that's whatever. We'll that. figure it out. Right. Um, you know. So basically, when I, what happened, we were going to move here. We moved here in August of uh, twenty nineteen, I guess. Yep. But I put my website up in May, ah. just because I was like, maybe I can stir the pot a little were bit. Were you still living? It, were you still working at Claffy? No, I was not okay. at that point. Gotcha. We had an we had a, our second child. Okay, um, so you so, took some time off. Yes, I took I took a couple months off just to kind of get some stuff you know scheduled. And quite honestly, I had planned on the first probably four months of, and that's what we planned on like financially. The first four months after I left, like we're just reaching out subcontractors, seeing their work, visiting mm. with them because I was I didn't want to get them on a job and that's the first time I had seen what they do. Um, it's really really smart. Yeah, so I had I had budgeted for that. So I'm like, "Well, I'll just throw my website up, you know, and just put it online." Yeah. And I in the first 2 weeks it was up, I had four or five calls and leads. And so I actually sold my first project in May and we weren't even going to be open until August. Wow. But we actually came up here and I said, man, here's what's going on. I said, I'm not even up there. I have some subcontractors. I was going to ask you, where'd you get the subs? <laughs> well, I met with them and yeah. I, I tried to find a good network by calling around, by finding people. Um, but I, I basically told them all and I was, again, brutally honest. I said, I'm gonna do your pool for 10%. Like, that's my profit margins on this. And I may fire people halfway through it and kick them off a job and bring someone in because I don't know how it's gonna end. Right. Like, I'm confident that we'll do it the right way, but it may take two or three crews to do it the right way. Right. And they all, you know, and your benefit is you're getting a project for 10, 12, 14% discount. Yeah. And that's, you know, it is what it is. Um, so that, that's how we did it. We treated our first three clients with a very low profit job. In fact, actually one we did for a family friend for just whatever cost was. Um, again, because I knew they were comfortable enough where I could really, is almost a training project for- Your crews. For our crews. So that's, that's kind of how we, we established and how we got going. Um, I even had a couple home builders reach out to me and I told them, um, one's in COE actually, and I said, man, I'm not even comfortable taking your clients yet. I said, give me, let me get like, I want to build five, six, seven projects first, and then I want to reach back out to you. that sandstone layer up there in uh, Edmond <laughs> that <laughs> isn't in Norman. Yeah. Surprise. Yeah, no, there's, yeah, there's some, some definite surprises there. But we, 
Um, I just know once you burn a, a home builder's bridge, you're done. Like it's gone forever. And home builders are part of my biggest market because yep. if they're building four or five really nice custom homes a year and I get all their leads and that's the only, I'm the only one that's builds with them. So anyways, I, I tried to, I tried to take everything I had learned over at that point being in the industry for like 12, 13 years and say, you know, how can I look at this the long term? not short term like i can't i can't rush this um so that that was kind of the the strategy of of getting up here so when we got here in august things obviously got got better we we built i built two or two projects while i wasn't even here i finished one of them so we literally opened the pool before i even moved to oklahoma wow um but we got them done and we're about to build them a second pool so obviously we did good enough they need another yeah. one in the same yard or did they move <laughs> no they're building a new oh, house okay. right now yeah so everybody yeah. needs two pools yeah no so we're <laughs> um but but that's that's kind of how i how i got up here to oklahoma was noticing there was a need for it and in what's i had projected on kind of kidding that basic and intermediate market and then getting into the luxury market probably realistically i was hoping for three years but really planning on about five and what i've actually done now is like for the past even nine months that's all we're doing and i'm assuming that a lot of that has to do with the covid situation right that and i was just surprised um i guess on the higher end market again there's there's only so many companies and there's only so many companies that can present it right and do it the right way and there's a market for it so a lot of the other my competitors that i would normally even compete with they're booked up and i'm not booked up it's on some of them and that's awesome because then we get it um and then with others you know i'm i'm beating them in, in competitions too but it's i guess it's just the right time the market's good i was worried with oil and gas going down but it again we just kind of broke into that market and once you're there you you know, as long as you right. treat everybody you right, you do it right. You got some pictures. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, that was that was again part of the reason why I left and left a market is because I had eight years of just killer projects, and I was like, if I lose this portfolio, I don't even have a company to start. You know, so that was part of my agreement. I was like, I'm going to give you, you know, a long term. But you got to take pictures and say but, I was. The but designer. I get to keep my work. Okay. I will bring it. I will you know label it as Claffy Pools built it. But I want oh, all my pictures for my website. I want all and my referrals, agree. everything. Yeah, and it, they said that was fine as long as I was moving out of market. Right. Wow. That's so. so important. And I think obviously in the high-end market, it's a little bit easier to tell. But even in the low-end market, pictures are so important for contractors and not enough of them. They're just putting up their cell phone, just sideways picture kind of and snap it and then they leave, you know. And you know it's so what, important. You know, it's funny. I haven't done this but a few of my colleagues have, and they'll actually put an option at the end for the clients to pay for photos. Yep. And it's funny Ooh, that clients idea. will actually pay, like say, hey, by the way, it's $250, you know, it's actually $500 for professional photos, but I'll cover half if you want to cover the other half. And we'll bring a drone in and yeah, do the whole Yeah, and they'll thing do and the professional photo right shoot. And he's amazing that all of them would click it. They're like, yep. well, heck yeah, if we're going to spend $100,000, we're going to spend 250 to get pictures of it because we want to be on your website. Yeah, you know, exactly. not all of them, but I'm like, wow. Ooh, I've ne- I, I like, like that. My brain has never worked well, like that. I, I had never, yeah. I'm just they always wanted, writing it they in. Want those, they want those photos on their Instagram. They want to send yeah. it to family. 
that's what they want to show their you know country club friends whatever hey yeah check out our pool yeah and be like whoa yeah, that's they, a pool. it was so good they used it on their website <laughs> yeah. yeah, and that's, I mean... We're, we're the top banner photo on their website, yeah. so yeah, yeah, that's our pool. We made a special web page for just them and gave them that URL. <laughs> they don't realize everybody has their own page. Yeah, and it's it's honestly funny because some of the clients you wouldn't think would be that person are the people that are that yep. person. And then the ones that you would like, man, this guy is like the flashiest guy I've ever seen. Then they, so what I do on all my contracts, right next to the financials, I have a, a photo and name release clause, and they sign off... Um, are we allowed to take pictures and release your name on social media? Yes. Or are we allowed to take pictures and not release your name? Yes. Or do you not want any pictures or any name attached to it? So they have to sign off at the front end, mm-hmm. obviously, if they want to change halfway through. But we're very clear, again, on the front end, so we can post, hey, the Smiths just got their shot creed in, check this out. Yep. And, um, and we know already, we don't even have to ask them at the end, if we can get professional photos because they've already yep. you know told us we can i think that's important i don't think a lot of contractors are looking at that because i've seen both of that too where people are posting on social media and the client calls like hey let's not post my like i'm the mayor like i don't want people knowing right <laughs> that i got this backyard and stuff or other people um you know that would be comfortable that we're like well man it's a professional athlete we probably like shouldn't be putting out there and they're like no dude like whatever you want to put out is fine so now if you're clear about it on the front end there's really no question how many uh people employed in your company two my wife two the rest are 1099 subcontractors correct so um everything you've just described is just a list of processes that's it i mean is this just in your brain uh do you if I asked you to sit down and write out the processes, could you download them? Could you lay them out for people? Are you at that level with processes and systems? No, it's it's 100% in my brain. And I think that's where it's not the best situation because, again, left brain, right brain people. Right. Like, I am a designer at heart. Like, I, that's what I want to do and build and create. So when it comes to the business side, I'm, I'm not as strong on that side. I know what things should cost. I know what they usually end up costing. I keep track of all that stuff. But when it comes to like, hey, every client, this is the process we go with. And this is our sales process. This is when we take leads. We put them in this system. You know, this is how we track everything. Well, I was even thinking along the lines of I want to take pictures. You got to remember, oh, man, they're digging today. I want the pictures of that. And, oh, I forgot. You know, how did that? That's another reason it's hard to get pictures is it's hard to be available and at the right time and <laughs> yeah we're, we're lucky that we only have generally about max of six projects going at any given time so, so since i'm the one right. scheduling it since i'm doing everything i mean intentionally i know everybody that's at every job at all times right so and what day they're going to be there and i know the process i i map out and again that customer transparency i have an app that the customer a i have cameras on all my job sites if they have internet, yeah. so if they have Wi-Fi on site, we have a live stream camera at all times. So wow, and available to you and them. And they, yes. I mean, they can also look out the window for sure. But, but, but they can watch it from. But the my clients almost all travel for work or travel for fun or whatever, and then they get to log in at any time on their phone or their computer. And yes, it costs money for those programs, but it's funny. I sell about one to two projects a year because of the program oh that's because one guy i was like how did you find my you know how did you hear about us 
He's like, oh, oh, so-and-so had, he, I saw him, you were digging his pool on his work computer, so he said to call you. So he had it pulled up on his second screen watching him dig the pool, yeah. and they were just, uh, the people at work were like, oh my gosh. Wow, that's brilliant. That's yeah. really cool. So we, but on that program I pay for, um, it's kind of like Builder Trend, but it's not, it's four pools. Um, it's called Pentair Pool Builder. But on that program, it's actually a scheduling app too, and you can decide if you want to show them the schedule or not, but I always do. I'll, I schedule their whole job out from the very start. Yeah. So I say, hey, this is gonna change due to weather and due to availability and stuff, but this is what my projected outcome is. You know, I told you it was gonna be an eight to 10 week project. Here's the eight week layout. It may push two weeks because of weather and it may push six weeks because of, because of weather. Um, but by doing that in 18 months, I bet I get one call a week asking what's what's going on this week maybe and in my old job I mean we didn't have a program like that we didn't have a scheduling like that and that's what all my calls were it's like hey who's going to be here what's going to go on and by running through that app you know they just log into their app and they, they know can see that, everything yeah so know important when, know when people are supposed to be there and they also understand that hey just because they finished two days early yes. doesn't mean someone else is coming the next day They've got other it means jobs. this is what your schedule is and we're probably going to stick to it because it just runs better that way so even though they my steel guy finished two days early we're still shot creeping next thursday right because that's what it's always been <laughs> yeah and that guy's doing other jobs correct yeah just because he got done early doesn't mean everybody correct did. yeah talk more about the decision to make sure that it was only you and your wife as employees and that you chose the right subs and you kept them as subs. Yeah, so uh, even though my, my last company we were doing three or 400 job, jobs a year, we really only did a couple of things in-house. We would do um, cleaning grades and we would do like drainage and I think we had a couple of deck crews. So the advantage to in-house labor, I believe, is that you can really kind of train the guys to do it your way. You can oversee them on that. But I think there's a flaw in that too. So my big thing is I have 1099 subs, but they know when they step on my job site, this is how we do things and this is how I've trained them to do it. I don't care what they do on other job sites, but this is how we do it my way. And I only work with guys, like I, I remember meeting with one sub up here and I'm like, okay, well, I want this mix. I want this done like this for me. Do you think you can handle that? And they're like, man, we don't do it that way. We do it this way for all our guys. Like, That's fine. That's not my sub. So like when it came to tile and coping, um, I didn't, when people gave me, hey, call this guy, he does every pool. I'm like, well, I've seen the tile work in pools. I don't want to call that guy. So my tile guys are home remodelers that specialized in bathroom renovations. So basically I've trained them. This is how we do pool tile because it's completely different than home tile. Completely. Sure. The waterproofing process. Um, it's, it's a four, four day deal for a simple tile job. And I pay them for their time. I pay them way above, 25, 30% above the going rate, but they do it my way. They show up on time? Oh yeah. yeah they do. <laughs> and and I, have a, I have some labor or some guys that are 1099s that I would almost consider employees because they call me and ask me what we're doing this week. You know, it's not like... <laughs> don't, yeah. don't say that yeah. to the IRS. Yeah, exactly, right? they, they set their own schedules and have their own tools. I know that's... The, well, they, I think they want work. So I just yeah. tell them what my schedule's looking yeah. like and they see if they want to no, meet it or I'm, not. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> but I know what you're saying, yes. But they're not... It's just, you know, I'm not afraid to show them my knowledge 
and then go run off and do it for other people because I know people aren't willing to pay what I'm going to pay them. So, and then I, I've told all my subs too that, um, you know, if they need a paycheck that day or the next day, we'll pay them. They get the job done, we'll pay them. Yeah. So money is not going to be ever be the issue with our company. So I just yeah. know that's I how think we could almost do a whole show on it, but that's one of the really important things. What does it take to accumulate and keep good subs? Yeah. Because they're, they determine your outcome in many respects. Absolutely. And people that try to lowball them, you go to the cheap guy, the guy who never shows up, yeah. just compounding problems. Yeah. Well, if I'm already qualifying people by, you know, you're not willing to invest in me and you put your time and money into getting a quality project, then why would I do the same thing with subcontractors? Right. Yeah. You know, turn around and do that. People are hiring me because they're wanting a better and more thought out project. So I'm going to do the same thing. Mm -hmm. So we are sitting here about a year exactly from whenever COVID, COVID. hit uh, the NBA. What's COVID? Yeah, okay. What's that? So uh, a lot's changed. We've kind of, you know, we thought it might be two weeks or something like that at that point a year ago, but obviously we're kind of still in it. What was the big impact right from the beginning for you? What was your thought process whenever you found out, you know, the Thunder canceled their season and stuff like that? What were you thinking? So I think we'll probably have a different answer depending on region, but I'll tell you the craziest thing that happened here is when COVID truly hit, um, that was the same week really that oil and gas yeah. literally oh, yeah. went negative. Yeah. yeah and I told my, yeah, I was sitting in the bathroom getting ready for work one day and I told my wife, I said, um, you know, they usually put like a scenario in like entrepreneur books of like what to do with this. And I was like, <laughs> but I don't, I think I might've glossed over the chapter. Like what happens when a worldwide pandemic strikes the same week as your main like market drops through the floor, Below zero. like literally yeah. through the floor. I was like, I, I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. And it was a lot of just, and for two weeks in the spring, it when we weird. should get phone calls, yeah. we got quiet. nothing for yeah. two straight weeks. And you start kind of questioning a lot of things at that Everyone, point. Yeah. And it's, we were doing fine. We had jobs kind of lined up, not like we do this spring, but we did, but we had just, I mean, at that point only been in town for really six months. Yeah. And it was our first spring when I'm expecting business and blah, you know, on and on. And I just, it was, it was a weird time. And then just the weirdest thing happens is that third week, I bet we got, 15 phone calls because I think everybody had sat for two weeks in their home and started thinking like, well, we're not probably going on vacation this year. Yeah. Like the kids are going to like, I literally got a phone call from a guy and said, I have to have my kids out of the house this summer. Like, can you please build a pool? Because he's like, there's no way we can like make it through a summer with not like going on vacation or having sports yeah. or like, you know, activities or camps or anything like that. So it went from this like weird, I don't know what's going to happen and our market's not doing well and, and all of that to this boom of phone calls and people like, the question wasn't, it was like, how fast can you get something done at that point? Right. So the pool industry was not ready for it at all. Yeah. The, we're still on like some ordering issues from like last October and not getting equipment in and stuff like that. But it, the, the pool industry itself 
has seen a huge, huge uptick. And I think a lot of remodelers, just everything home related is yes. soaring. Going crazy. Yeah. Lumber's home crazy right now. Lows. Yeah. 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 It's, it's it's crazy. So we again have rode that wave, but I will I will, you know, express with caution with the the thing contractors and again why I wanna be small is a lot of companies will start hiring, start hiring and adding because they have this extra work. And again, I'm just playing that middle grounds of we'll do the work, but we're we're gonna stay right in the middle. We're not riding that highway. We're not spent. We're not going to hire eight people. We're not gonna buy all new company trucks. Like we're gonna just sit there right in the middle, and we'll be comfortable. We have money coming in, but we're not gonna ride get too high. And right. I think again, that's one of the things that I worked out when I did all my numbers is it made way more sense to just pay myself a comfortable salary than ride the waves up and down. Yeah, <laughs> so, for sure. So we had a really cool experience. And by really cool, I mean really Can cold you catch experience. stuff out of this or do we have to play everything? <laughs> really cool experience. I know so we had a really going. cold experience about three weeks ago now, is that right? Yeah. Is it only that long ago? Yeah. Feels like it was longer. But... Um, yeah, temperatures dropped below zero for a good while. Well, my house, uh, twelve days, uh, seventeen yeah. below was the lowest I personally saw, and so less than wild. a week later, it was seventy-three. So it was a <laughs> ninety-degree swing in yeah. six days. So crazy. So that obviously that does a lot to pools. Yeah, it's not not fun, especially. I mean, we don't close our pools. We don't winterize our pools. We just don't believe in it. Yeah. So and and I'm sure you had conversations with like clients and when they ask you, so what do you do in the winter? Like, ah, just leave the pump running. Yeah, yeah. I remember the brutally honest thing. I'm like, oh no, our temperatures we never get cold enough for long <laughs> yeah. enough. You know. Well, at least we're not Texas, where the house water lines go in outside the wall and poke in. Yeah, that, that where is they true. just got annihilated. Yeah. But, you know. Tell me about that. Tell me the day that you got, like, you knew it was dropping, you started getting calls. So, I guess being a builder and watching the, an outdoor builder, especially, I watch the weather, I watch the news with a grain of salt because they're so extreme all the time. Yeah. They're looking for clicks. I know that their, their intentions are probably good, but when they tell me it's going to be eight inches of rain, like, it's going to be three, maybe. Yeah. Typically, sometimes. But then, it, so I kind of kept putting off, putting it off, and I think all of us kind of did, because yeah. it kind of they, they projected it probably seven, ten days, fourteen days in advance. Right. And like as it got closer and closer, it kind of you could almost feel in the air like, okay, this is this is for real. This is for real, and this is about to happen. <laughs> yeah. So none of our none of my colleagues that are a lot in Texas and Oklahoma, none of us have really dealt with a freeze to that extent. But yeah. really, it's not even the the cold temperatures; it was the duration of it. Yeah, because all of our systems have freeze protection on them and they'll run water and they'll keep water moving and because it's buried you know 24 inches in ground it's like a geothermal heater it's not ever gonna Mm -hmm. the top of the surface may on may freeze but the actual guts of the pool as long as your pumps can stay on you really don't have to worry about it um so that was kind of the theory that we all went into okay let's just run all of our equipment it'll go on freeze protection we'll be okay so i sent out a mass mass text message all my clients and I said you know this is what's going to happen don't worry too much uh, as long as your pumps are running you're good but I will say watch your automation make sure your pumps are running if power goes out let me know because that is when we're in major issue the other thing I did is I had all my I, I had my guys uh, run out to every single job we had built and we tarped all the pool equipment 
Why? So the, the thinking behind it, and again, for better or for worse, this is kind of what me and some of my buddies came up with, which was we put a six mil um, tarp over the top of it with some bricks that the heat from the pump circulating would actually kind of keep those above ground lines warm. And it, in effect, it really did help. Yeah. So yeah. In, you know, in Nebraska, we used to put a hundred watt light bulb in there. Yeah. The problem is that hundred watt LED light bulb yeah. puts out zero heat. <laughs> so things have changed, but we, a pump, that's great. So we thought about that for sure. Um, the issue was at that time they were already calling for like power outages. So I'm like, man, I can't go tell everybody throw a, you know, a space heater or something out there. Cause they were saying conserve energy and they're saying all this stuff. So yeah. I didn't want to be like that. And the pumps truly, as long as we covered them up, should have been fine. But our, our major, we, we could all see the writing on the wall. If the power's out, you know, that's I when you're in trouble. So we, I, I had a, I developed a little thing that was kind of a, here's what to do if your power goes out, which is basically winterize on site your equipment. And at that point, we had snow, we had ice, so it wasn't going to be us. It was going to be us FaceTiming or walking people through to winterize their pool or their uh, pool equipment at minus 12 degrees in the middle of the night. <laughs> you know, but at Try that, to get a pipe wrench to fit that union, which they don't have. Yeah, and but there was this weird deal because, again, we go back to change orders and stuff, but I feel terrible because I've told all these clients, like, hey, our, our pools are fine in the winter. Yeah. Um, and I feel a responsibility to withhold that. Sure. Um, and I don't want to tell people, Hey, I know you just spent, uh, $10,000 on this equipment six months ago, but you're now responsible for $10,000 more because in the contract it states we're not, you know, act of God's weather events are not our responsibility, which is the truth. And that's how we would have had to approach it. But I don't want to be that guy. Right. So I I was just scared to death. I mean, we didn't sleep at all hardly, just hoping the power didn't go out. So we were, we were insanely lucky that Oklahoma didn't have the power outages, we had uh, one. We had, I think there was like we had them rolling for an hour, but yes, uh, it yes. was during the day, and I drained my pool during that hour. Yeah, yeah. But we didn't know at the time. We didn't know it was only going to be one. Right. We, oh I mean, no! It looked like they were going to cycle yeah, through, and they only ended up doing like yeah. one, I think, or two, maybe, and for some people. So, and for the, the a few clients had that the one in Norman in particular, they uh, they had the rolling blackout. They I said, give it forty five minutes. If it's longer than forty five minutes, you have to drain the equipment. And that's it was that kicked back on right right at forty five minutes I think is right. what it was and that was the only one luckily that they had um, your the we had one in Oklahoma City and I, I'm still not one hundred percent sure why but he they didn't reach out to me when it did the rolling the blackout hit and theirs was gone for four hours so by the time he did reach out it was too far gone um, luckily really we only lost about. I would, I would say about a thousand dollars worth of work and equipment total. So it wasn't oh, okay. Not, it wasn't ten thousand dollars or what right. I was expecting it might mm-hmm. be. Um, the funny one, not funny for him probably because we got to replace it. But uh, we had we lost uh, on one project. The client was trying to break the ice and realized he wasn't chipping ice away and that it was his glass tile on his <laughs> on his tanning ledge so that wasn't ice shooting up it was glass <laughs> and so we, we have, tell the difference the glass sinks and the ice flows yeah when you chip it up so that was a fun one oh of, my gosh because uh, he was contemplating whether he should hit it with shovel and i said man we'll send our guys out really don't worry about it because to be fair his had an issue his uh overflow he had a spillway from his tanning ledge to his pool 
and the spillway blocked up with ice because it's so thin a water going across there mm-hmm. it, it dammed up so he actually had water coming back onto his pool deck um so he was trying to break up that spillway before figuring out that that's what he was chipping away was his own glass and he, <laughs> he made this he got it working but um in effect we got to go switch out glass but well, that's hard because then the glass is just chilling on the bottom, and yeah, like yeah. that's not easy to clean up. Yeah, it wasn't wasn't a great situation, but he he got taken care of. But but again, we were very lucky in, in Texas. A in Texas, I think the average time to live in a home is three years. So the people, most people even living there, didn't even know who built their pool, so they didn't right. even know who to reach out to for help. None of the companies probably. I know Claffy, my old company, and Golki. The company before that, they were very proactive on reaching out to their clients and saying this is what to do, but I just don't think enough knew what to do and the right. rising and things like that. So when their power went out for days, oh man, it literally just exploded their pool equipment from the inside I, out. So I had a friend whose toilet's froze in his house. Like yeah. the, I mean, it's just crazy what happened down yeah. there. And I, it's funny, all these contractors from the Northeast and the North, I mean, they just laugh at us and they're like, huh, we deal with like that temperatures all the time, but which is true, they do, but I don't think they deal with the power going out for four days Yeah. and not to the effect of like, we're not used to the power going out for exactly. four days in a yeah. negative 15 degree temperature. Yeah. It's just N- not, neither are they. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just like the same if a tornado is coming at our house, like I'm like, hey, it's like every spring, right? It's not that big right. of a deal. But if they move here, they're like, oh my gosh, it's a tornado a, a mile away. You I have know? a client in northern Canada, northern Alberta, and I was bemoaning our minus 17 and texting him and he goes, you rookies, and he sent me back his minus 46. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, man, I wish it'd warm up to minus 17 here. <laughs> it would be great. <laughs> It was funny though on uh, on social media. I posted. Uh, I think it was finally the day the sun came out when it broke, and I go, "Man, I never thought I'd say this, but I can't. I'm so excited. It's 16 degrees, and I can get <laughs> yeah. out and about, and like, yeah, I can get on my to, way. Got up to 15. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, so finally wild. 16 and sunny. Let's go get some stuff done. You know, we uh, <laughs> we kind of had you here a long time. Um, there are a couple of things I'd like to kind of recap from a listener standpoint. Yeah, go ahead. Um, I'm, I hope I'm not ambushing you with this, but can you 18 months? We know you have a history before that, but 18 months. Can you give us an idea of the range of what's what sales, annualized sales would be if you're willing to? Yeah, absolutely. We um, so last year we closed out at like right at 1.7 million. Okay, first year in business. First year in business. Okay. Yes, um, and then this year we're already on the books for right at like 2.1 million. Okay, so that's not bad. <laughs> no, no, I mean, 18 months and you're and you're only at three point what i didn't catch it the math but maybe yeah. three four million in 18 months yeah right what's the math what's the matter with you I, yeah i don't know i don't know I, maybe <laughs> maybe this year you get to work no that's that's impressive uh four percent of all the companies in the world are in the u.s and they're 30 million only four percent ever make it to a million so there's a lot behind that i don't want people driving around saying what there's the history, there's the training behind that. Right. But that's that's important. It can be done. And basically, it's deciding to do it. Yeah. No, okay. absolutely. No. Uh, second thing, if you're willing to say, what type of margins do you typically try to bid for? I mean, of the sales, how much of the, uh, what percentage of the sales winds up being gross profit? Not profit, but gross profit. Yeah, I mean, we're almost all of our projects when we first moved in here, we entered the marketplace again, like at 10 to get into the first three projects. And then after that, we bumped it up to 20 
Good. was kind of our, our markup rate, like cost. I mean, when I say that, again, I'm not great on the business side, but it was just a cost factor of times 1.2. It wasn't even a true 20%, I guess. Okay. Right. Um, so we would just do a cost factor of 1.2, but now, I mean, we're, we're at that. We're pretty comfortably at 1.25. Okay. So I guess that's a true 20% markup at okay. that point. Okay. Yeah. So. I got a book right here yeah. that literally I'm going to give you. Yeah, please. Uh, <laughs> once it's no longer propping up this camera. Yeah. But anyway. <laughs> okay. Um, sorry, this is, will seem a little bit random, but you said you manage customer expectations. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> In a recap, how the hell do you do that? Okay, because I, I believe that's one of the most important things in contracting. And I like to talk about uh, an expectation sheet. You've done a lot of pools, however many you've done in eight, well, 10 years now or eight yeah, years we've done before. It. We're approaching almost 300. Okay, so you know 300 pools worth of experience. And the average person you go talk to has built zero pools. Mm-hmm. So how do you, how do you, I mean, one thing was you talked about laying out your schedule, which I think is a wonderful starting place. But how about the things, well, I thought that was included or that's not included or we're gonna tear up your sprinkler system, that's a fact. Yep. We're not paying for it. Do you understand that? We're gonna tear your fence up. You know, how do you how do you literally handle that? So again, I come from a place where our bid model was so tight and our, we were just so detailed in everything that they did. So I took a lot of those processes and put them into mine, which is I mean, it is very clear when someone, when I go up against competitors, they're giving people a one page sheet of like the contract and it's like pump included. Yes. Heater included. Yes. And I'm like pump included, uh, Inteliflow XF three horsepower, like right. heater included 400,000 BTU. So every detail and everything that's included is in there. I also include what is not included twice. So if sod is not included, it's in there twice. If sprinklers are not included, it's in there twice. Yeah. And I, again, am very, very cost. And I even got to the point where if I know this client is going to give me heck about sprinklers, reroutes not being included or sod, I will put it in the cost breakdown too of a zero dollar. So that the, and there's three different places in a contract that this is not included. Don't ask about it. Right. Yeah. Um, so that, that's kind of one way, I guess, that, that we've, we've managed that expectation. Um, and then as far as timeline, stuff like that, again, I I think the single biggest issue you see with contractors today is they're paying for the current project with the next project. Yep. And if you can get away from being able to do that, there's a freedom in scheduling that you just, it's like you're not depending on And by on that, the you're next. talking about the deposits from the next projects, finishing up the payments on this one. Exactly. Okay. And when you get away from that, Especially even now, I mean, me running pretty low, you know, sales and stuff on the first year and stuff. I was always doing that. I wasn't ordering pool equipment until I needed it because I didn't have $15,000 to spend at that point. Um, you know, or like I didn't feel comfortable because I always wanted a certain number in the bank for, for issues. But now we've gotten to the point where, I mean, when the ice storm hit and I knew there was going to be delays, we just ordered all the pool equipment for our whole year. Right. So, you know, we're going to cut a huge check but you're saving but some money on it i'm presuming uh not really because we already get i mean already get the that's, that's so you're doing it in the, order to have it yeah exactly that's, i know that we're six to 12 weeks out on equipment so I, I we're not even starting some pools for another six to eight weeks but i'm ordering the equipment for it so i don't have those delays and that's that's one of the bigger impacts of covid but also yes. the the freeze yep is that yep. 
COVID messed up all of the, um, why am I forgetting the name of this process, but all the shipping, all the freight, uh, supply chain, you're yeah. missing all the supply chain. And then it got well, it even shut worse. Down, it shut down production houses too. Right. They couldn't even make. And that's a big difference. I know that we talked about this in COE and I want to kind of revisit it. Um, American made. <laughs> Tell me about your issue with American made. Um, American made generally Isn't. means American put together. <laughs> yeah. yeah. With worldwide parts. Right. Uh, so the problem is the worldwide parts are not being delivered. So even if they want to make them in America, yeah. a, a lot of our manufacturing is done in California and Arizona and they were shut down for months right. because of COVID and they're still mm-hmm. at limited capacities. So they can't even build what they want to. And that's if they can get the parts in. Right. So there's certain things that you can't even get in. Yeah. And there's, there's huge delays at all of the ports. Yep. Um, Los Angeles is one of the worst. Yep. And I mean, they're looking at over two months at this point, right? That's correct. And yeah. they said with the freezes down in Texas, the last numbers I've heard is over a hundred thousand sets of pool of equip- pool equipment that were not available already are now in demand are now in demand. Yeah. yeah. And so, I mean, they're literally <laughs> just rerouting boats and doing planes and all, I mean, it's just crazy what's going on right now. So that's why you took on the inventory. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Not because, because the guy said, Oh, you'll get a 5% discount. <laughs> not, at all. not at all. It's just because you wouldn't be able to sell pools. Yeah. yeah. And so that, that brings up pricing, mm-hmm. right? And I know that we've talked about this a little bit, but how do, how do, how do you pr- typically price jobs? You know, what is your typical strategy with that, with bidding? So we, we've always done fixed costs for the most part. Um, when I, the last year I was at Claffy, we got started getting into some stuff that interior designers were involved and architects were involved. And we just, we told the customer we can't even price this because we don't know what the end result's going to be. Like we know what the design's going to be, but these projects get so big that if you make a tile decision that's a ten dollar difference in per square foot, like that's like a thirty thousand dollar difference when you add it up for the whole project. Right. So we started going to some cost plus type of pricing on um, there, uh, which were like a true cost plus to the client. We were very you know, open with them on what their expenses were and had every bill and all that. So that's kind of what I've started doing here, which is if we get over our $150,000 job um, or something that's out of our market, we'll go to a cost plus because the market is, there's a lot of work right now and there's a lot of good jobs and I'm not going to risk profit, you know, when there are people that are willing to kind of go to that cost plus, especially on a high end project, it's just, it's not the, it's not the environment in my opinion to not make your true profit that you need to on the job. Yeah. And I mean, especially with the issues with equipment Yes. and not just equipment, but lumber and every other material. Um, I mean, you don't know what the price is going to be. Yeah. I can't remember a more certain time for, calls coming in and jobs being available in a less certain time on anything else, else. whether labor is going to be available, whether material is going to be available or other equipment is. And to to add on, at least in Oklahoma, I mean, this was the snowiest, the coldest winter on record in record. (laughs) I mean, so we had, I, I, I mean, from November until February, we hardly even worked. Yeah. So, I mean, in fact, we had to get one job done so they wouldn't not like fall out of their closing. So we actually rented 
a tent and tented the whole job and Whoa. had gas heaters in it for the duration of the job. The, the first time we pulled that tent off was, we, they just closed on the house literally today, and we pulled that tent off two weeks ago. We built the whole project under a tent. That's crazy. Yeah. So our guys, when it was, it was on one day, it was six degrees outside and it was 65 degrees in our tent. So that's the cost plus. <laughs> the yeah. cost was a little bit higher on that. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> that's so crazy. So, but it wasn't crazy because there's no weddings going on right now. So it cost oh, us yeah. $2,000. Oh, there you go. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. That's a good point. So on a $102,000 job is a $2,000 cost for the project to get done. Yeah, so. that's pretty interesting. Maybe you'll move to that more often in the winter, right? Yeah, but that's, that's also why I don't have in-house. I mean, that's a perfect example. Almost all of my jobs, I can't truly know until you know I'm starting to plan them of what type of labor I'm going to need, the numbers yeah. I'm going to need, the skilled trades I'm going to need on them because they're so different from each other. Right. Timelines are different. Materials are different. So for me to have in-house guys truly, it wouldn't make a lot of sense because yeah. – all of our jobs look so much different, yeah. you know, and, and like we're doing a job in Norman right now that are, we're going to start and we'll do it over the next year that we're going to bring crews in from Miami, Florida to do all the tile work because that's what they do. They do full tile interiors. And I think you have to clarify here that like these aren't, you know, your average pool. These are <laughs> massive pools. Like the one you how how many trucks concrete trucks did you work with yesterday uh we just shot it was 100 right at 100 yards so it was 99 yards which was so it was nine or 11 trucks nine yards a piece yeah so it was, so these are massive pools we're yeah. talking about and the one is even bigger that you just talked about in norman oh yeah it's probably it's, it's double yeah it'll be double the size at least so we're talking like you know massive and if you want to look at their your website it's what is it again it's schindler schindlerdesignco.com okay schindlerdesignco.com you'll see what you know, he's talking about with all these different trades and bringing people in from Miami because it's they're they're amazing and they're special. So, um, man, there's so much great stuff. I know we've kept you long enough. Um, how can people get in contact with you? Um, just through my website. If you want to reach out, we have kind of some some stuff you can fill out there uh, or give me a shout. Uh, you know, through email, read at schindlerdesignco.com, and that's R E I D. Any questions on anything? I mean, we because I was brought up through kind of an intern and really just dumb luck i try to do the same for other people like yeah. you know if if there's questions we teach i teach classes at, at some of our trade shows and stuff uh, i sit on some boards to where like my sole intention is kind of mentorship and yeah and to answer questions and just be that that place where someone could go with even you know what they may think is a dumb question but it's just not because right. I've, I've been that guy for a long time and yeah um you know I think it's cool. I network with a lot of really young professionals, and I think it's cool to see the surgeons of you know people that are 25 to 35 to 45 that are just killing it right now. Yeah. And so, but I, I and and what's weird about that is, it's a little different than the generation I think above us that there was a lot of competition. And I feel like our generation is a little bit more of collaboration and kind of like, you know, everybody can bounce things off each other and yeah. there's always going to be that competitiveness, but that, that's kind of what, that's, that's, that's what my mantra is. So if you have questions, if you're a pool builder, if you're in the market, I, I mean, Oklahoma city market, I really don't care. I mean, yeah. let's chat. I'm, I'm confident that if I go against you, you know, we'll see who wins. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. I love it. Well, 
thank you so much for your time. Yeah. Um, you know, we're all about less stress, more time, more money for contractors. And I think some of the things that you've talked about are definitely helpful in finding less stress. Um, you know, focusing on, hey, just just handling what you can right now, not trying to be bigger than you really are. And, um, you know, knowing your place in the market, knowing where you want to be is so important. Um, not having all the employees, having all subs so that you have more time. Uh, leaving your sales job so that you have more time to start your own thing, right? Um, and then also, you know, doing the cost plus pricing, so many other things to have more money uh, is so important. So we appreciate your time, Reed. Um, hopefully we'll see you again. And uh, yeah. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Reed. Thanks for listening to The Cashflow Contractor. Check out our website in the show notes or visit thecashflowcontractor.com.